2: Thanks for listening to the Legacy Church podcast. We hope that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Follow us on social media at Legacy Church GA or visit lcga.info to learn more. Well, we are starting a, a brand new series today called "Where Is God When?" and it really uh, the the thought and the idea behind the series was. You know, this is one of the questions that we most often ask when we are uh, going through a difficult situation, when we're going through a storm uh, in life, or someone we know or love is going through a, a challenging time. We might ask, you know, where is God when, I'm going to put this on this, I don't know if that's okay, but, seems like a good place to put it, uh, but we might ask the question, where is God When? And maybe you have and I, I think we've all asked this question at one point or another. Maybe it was a health challenge or a financial challenge or a relational challenge. And and we just sort of have this overwhelming sense of of feeling like, hey, where is God right now? You know, that we don't feel like God is, is present in our life at that moment. We're going through that circumstance and we ask that question, where is God right now? It just seems like he's not here. It just seems like he doesn't care. You ever ask that question? It's a question we all ask. And I think there's a couple of sort of, you know, parts to this that make it a challenging thing to consider. And one of those is that, you know, storms in life are very personal in nature. Because when you're the one going through the storm, it's it's very personal to you. And so when we're going through that circumstance, it, it, it's our storm, it's our difficult challenge, it's our circumstance that makes life a challenge, makes life difficult. And the other part of this, when we ask this question, where is God, when, is that oftentimes, Christ followers, we are guilty of, of throwing out platitudes that are well-intentioned, but yet don't really Make a difference in that circumstance. Have you ever said or had said to you, when going through a difficult circumstance, someone has said, or maybe you've said, well, you know, God will not give you more than you can handle, right? I see a few of you shaking your heads, like, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, maybe you've said that to someone, or maybe that's been said to you, and it is the last thing you want to hear in that moment, isn't it? Well, God will not give you more than you can handle. You know, there is some truth to that. But but here's the thing it it sort of leaves God, the picture of God is He's like perpetually testing our our patience, right? He's just sort of like up there like a like a like a lab scientist, and we are the experiments, and God is just sort of throwing out circumstances that are stressful and challenging and difficult to see if we're going to break. That's the kind of picture, I think, that sometimes we make of God. Or how about this one? Let go, you can probably finish this, and let God. Let Let go and let God. And again, this is, this is, there is some truth to that. I mean, that that we don't we are not created to carry all of life's baggage you know we are not we are not created to to just walk forward in life with all of the anxiety all the pressure all the stress like that's not the way that we're wired And there is a a certain capacity of, you know, hey, we've kind of reached a point where it's become unhealthy and the the baggage that we try to carry is weighing us down. And yes, all that is true. But sometimes I wonder, I mean, like, what about when the dishwasher breaks? Just let go and let God. Sometimes... Sometimes the practical challenges in life are just that. They're just things of of life. And and again, I'm not saying that there's no truth in any of these things that we throw out. Let go and let God. Yes. Yes. Here's a a maybe I would suggest or proposing maybe a, a better alternative saying instead of let go and let God. If if someone's going through a circumstance, we say let go and let me. Let go and let me. Hey, what are the burdens that I can sort of help you carry? That's what we're called to do for each other, right? Let go and let me. How can I come alongside you in this circumstance so that you don't feel like you're alone, that you don't feel like you're left to figure it all all out by yourself? But but that's part of what makes this question, where is God when? And and today we're talking about where is God When it storms, the idea of of suffering has been called the reason for atheism. You know, this question, it's the number one question that people ask, you know, when, when they are asked. "Hey, if you had one question that you could ask God right now, what would it be? And this is the question, where is God when I'm suffering? Where is God when bad things happen? Why does God allow bad things to happen? Any variation of the same question that, that if God is a loving God and you're saying he's, he's all-knowing and all-powerful and he's sort of, uh, he watches over us, then why did my family member just die of cancer? Or why, why, does, why does my friend just seem to be struggling with this addiction and can't shake it? We've all asked those kind of questions, right? Where is God when it storms? And here's the temptation for us as Christ followers. We, we want to, you know, in those moments, we want to bring, we genuinely want to bring comfort and assurance to someone and and just sort of remind them that we're here for them. And and in those moments, we sort of throw out those platitudes. But But what I want us to think about is that sometimes... Sometimes it's better to just be still and be present in those moments. And we don't have the easy answers. In fact, sometimes we don't have any answers. So I want to sort of free us today from the pressure to offer a quick answer to somebody who's going through a storm, who's going through a difficult circumstance. To say, we don't, there are no easy answers in this life. But one thing I do know is that storms or challenging circumstances will happen. I know that's, you know, earth shattering and maybe you're disappointed to hear that today, but storms will happen. Maybe you've heard the saying, you know, you're either coming out of a a storm, a difficult season in life, or you're in one right now. Or if you're not in one right now, maybe you're about to go into one. And that sort of reflects this reality that storms will happen. And so as your pastor, you know, I, I, I like to offer you help, okay? So I have for you a storm survival kit. This is for an actual storm, okay? Actual storm. I looked this up. It's on the Internet, so it's true. Um, ready. Ready.gov has a storm survival kit. Some of these you'll be like, oh, yeah, I mean, of course. Water, hey, shocking. This is a list, actual list. Water, food, okay, yeah, everybody knows that. Battery-powered or hand-crank radio. Uh, Extra batteries, because if you have a battery-powered radio, I mean, this makes sense, right? Flashlight, first aid kit, a whistle, in case you need to signal for help. You need to be writing these down, okay? I don't see anyone... I'm trying to give you a storm survival kit, a mask, dust mask, plastic sheeting, duct tape, you need that just for everyday life. I mean, that's, you don't have duct tape, you're not gonna make it. Moist towelettes, garbage, I guess, I don't know if you're eating wings or ribs, you get get the little towelettes out and just sorta make sure everybody's hands are sanitized. Garbage bags, a wrench or pliers to cut off utilities, can opener, manual can opener, local maps. First of all, who has local maps? Is that, I mean, who, did they? Okay, one person, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Is it in the back of your car? Okay, Uh, cell phone and backup battery. Okay, there you go. Storms will happen, storm survival kit. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> you know, what about, you know, a storm survival kit is one thing with, with, when there's an actual thunderstorm. But what about storms of a challenging circumstance? We know that storms will happen. And, and here's the conditions of a, of a storm in life. You know, when you have broken world and broken people, those are the conditions for storms in life. We live in a broken world. And even if you're not a Christ follower in the room today, I think we could start with this premise of, yeah, this world is messed up. There's a lot of things that we look around and go, man, it shouldn't be that way. There's a lot of brokenness. And that's a reflection, I would say, if you're not a Christ follower, we agree on the brokenness part. And my response to that would be like, yeah, and, and there's a way that God has designed for things to work and things to be. And the reason that you're feeling that sort of, hey, this is not the way it's supposed to be feeling, I would say is because God has designed it to be way different. And then you have broken people. That's all of us, you know, all of us. Broken world and broken people, there's going to be storms. And some of those storms are external, meaning they're they're out of our control they're you know done to us out of our hands we're going through them it's not our we didn't cause the storm some of those storms are self-induced we make poor decisions we we develop poor habits or whatever and and some of those storms we cause we bring on ourselves but and then some of them are just the nature of this world is broken and and there's evil and and moral bankruptcy and and all of that sort of mixed together makes for a lot of storms. But I want us to walk out of today knowing how to navigate storms, to be ready, to have spiritual storm preparedness as part of our life. Jesus went through a storm with his, with his disciples and it's found in Mark chapter four, verse 35 through 41. If, you're, if you have a Bible uh, or our Bible app. It'll be on the screen. We'd love for you to, to just read along with me. Uh, but it says this, verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up. I love that word, squall. It just sounds intense. A squall A rush of waves and wind came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? So, one thing I think we got to understand is that just the physical topography of this area, the Sea of Galilee, which most of Jesus' ministry, I have a picture of it, most of Jesus' ministry was around the Sea of Galilee. It's, it's 12 miles long and about 8 miles wide, and it's surrounded by mountainous terrain. The Sea of Galilee is about 700 feet below sea level. So, just from a you know, topography standpoint, it is susceptible to violent storms, they would happen frequently. Do happen frequently, and so Jesus and his disciples are out in the middle of this of this the Sea of Galilee, and they're in this boat. In this next, next picture, you know, archaeologists discovered a first century boat. It's on display in 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 Israel, in the Holy Land, right now. It's on display, and Megan and I got a chance to go see it. Humble brag. Uh, we went to the Holy Land and we saw this boat on display, first century boat. Now it's, you know, obviously it looks all tattered and, but, you know, these things were not like the modern day yachts and, you know, they didn't have to like raise the mast and, and there wasn't like a, a three bedroom condo in the bottom of it. Like the stern was just this small little area at the, at the end of the boat. And so as you almost imagine, you just kind of crawl underneath this little covered area and go to sleep. And Jesus just sort of, I don't know, maybe he was tired. Maybe he just needed a nap. You know, naps, we know scientifically they're proven to improve your health. You need a nap, okay, 20 minutes. I don't know if Jesus was going off taking like the 20-minute nap to just sort of refresh himself for the rest of the day's events. I don't know if he had just a really good pillow, you know, or a cushion, it says he was sleeping on, on a cushion. I don't know if it was like the, the memory foam, first century memory foam. You know, I don't know what Jesus' sleep number is and, and was, you know, like a seven or maybe, I don't know, but the conditions, maybe the conditions were just ripe for a nap. You know, they say like the best sleeping weather is what? When it's storming. When it's raining, ah, perfect nap weather, right? Maybe that was, Jesus just needed a nap. And the disciples are like, hey, don't you care if we drown? You ever ask God that? Like, Jesus, don't you care? Isn't that a question that in our, let's be vulnerable for a moment. We ask Jesus that question because there's this little bit of, Doubt as to whether he is actively involved in our lives. Jesus, don't you care? Don't you see what's happening here? It's a reflection that we're wondering maybe if, if God is just sort of distant and he created everything, but then he left it all alone and he's just sort of sitting back and watching the chaos, right? That, that's where that question comes from. Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care if we drown? So what's the storm in your life in which you feel like you are about to drown? Is it financial? Is it relational? Is it physical, mental, emotional? What's the storm in which you right now are asking Jesus, don't you care? See, Jesus gets up, rebukes the wind and says to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. So there's a couple of things I want us to, walk away with today. The first thing is that the presence of a storm does not mean the absence of God. And in the midst of a storm, we don't have the easy answers. We don't throw out the platitudes of, hey, God won't give you more than you can bear. Let go, let God. We do have this truth that Jesus is present in the midst of the storm. He doesn't get up and go, whoa, whoa, where's my other boat? I'm out of here. He's going through the storm with his disciples and he wakes up and he says quiet be still i mean i don't know if i don't think anybody in this room has ever gotten up in the middle of a storm walked outside in a thunderstorm and said quiet wind be still you know what faith is it's confidence in the power of Jesus. That's what Jesus is asking his disciples to have, is confidence in his power to quiet the wind and the waves at the sound of his voice. The presence of a storm does not mean the absence of God. The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, who literally went through four storms and was shipwrecked, he says this, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. You have this sort of like image, almost like of a, like of a boxing match, that life is just sort of this boxing match between you and this you know this broken world in which you just sort of, you're getting punched sometimes. You're, you're getting punched and you're sort of swaying like a boxer is just sort of like on the ropes that we're, we're perplexed. We're not crushed, we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. That that life in a broken world will knock us down, but we get back up. So the presence of a storm does not mean the absence of God. The second thing is Jesus's presence brings us peace in the storm. Whenever we go through a storm, it is not platitudes, but his presence that brings us peace. We desperately need the presence of Jesus. That's what brings us peace. Not just the head knowledge. Not just the... The experience not just the oh I've you know I've been in church all my life. Not just, it's, it's Jesus's presence in the midst of a storm that brings us peace. Sometimes the best thing that hap- can happen to us is a storm. Now, I'm not saying we're we're inviting it. We're like oh yes come on storm. Got my storm kit. I'm ready. No, I'm saying that we when a storm happens we know that jesus can lead us through it that his presence will bring us peace and it brings us to this reality that jesus is greater than the storm that's a simple reminder i want you to remember today jesus is greater than the storm whatever storm you're going through a challenging health circumstance a relationship your marriage uh, a business thing work neighbors community i don't whatever the storm is and we've you know we're we're in a storm right now. We're in a, a cultural sort of upheaval. It's a storm. And, and it can feel like we're like a little bit woozy like a boxer who gets punched. And, but Jesus is greater than the storm. Here's what one commentator said about this, about this story. The calming of the storm has to do with Jesus' announcement that God reigns that the hostile forces of Satan, wherever they might be, inside man, outside man, are being overthrown by Jesus, the Holy One of God. Jesus got up, calmed the storm. He's announcing that God reigns, that there's a new kingdom that has been inaugurated. It's the kingdom of Jesus, and it's greater than any other kingdom, and he's greater than any other ruler on this earth or in in this life or the life beyond that now God is on his throne, that God reigns. And Jesus is greater than the storm. The psalmist reflects this in, in Psalm 46. He says this, God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble, ever present. See, God's not distant. God is the ever-present God. He's with us in the storms. He's with us in the calm. He's ever-present. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. See, the Jewish people, their image of the sea was this arena in which God and evil clashed. That's the way that they view the sea. And so the images of scripture are that the sea is the place where God and evil clash. God and evil are are facing off. Then in verse 10, the psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Jesus' presence brings us peace in the storm. So there is an ever-present presence of Jesus. It's a reminder that this storm that we're in is not going to last forever. See, the the scriptures point to a day in which there will be no more sea. There will be no more clash between God and evil. There will be more no more hold that the enemy has on your life and, and this life and this world. There will be a time in which the sea will be no more, that God will reign supreme forever and ever. And John writes about this in Revelation 21. And he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. There's coming a time in which the brokenness will be repaired, in which the chaos will be restored, in which this world as God has intended will be fully brought back together, reconciled. That's the word the scripture used, reconciled, that you and I will be fully reconciled. There's sort of this tension that we live in right now though. It's it's the now, not yet. It's that God, his kingdom has been inaugurated. It's beginning now, but there's a part of it in, in which it will not fully be realized until Jesus returns and the sea will be no more. And the enemy will be finally and fully defeated. So Jesus is with us in the storm, and the storm's not going to last forever. And one day there will be no more storms; it'll be just peace. But until that day, we hang on to hope. Hope is the one thing we need. It's it's really the most essential tool in our storm survival kit is hope. Because one day God will restore all things. So I want to give you just an invitation. I was going to try to finish a few minutes early. We have a baptism afterwards and I want to just invite you. Someone's coming to be baptized today and it's going to be a great day. It's going to be amazing, amazing picture. But I want to invite maybe others of you, maybe you didn't plan on today. Maybe you are just trying to get done, run some errands after, you got to be somewhere. I don't know. I want to invite you to consider that maybe the thing that you can do that's going to help you the most in the midst of a storm is to just trust God it's not easy, but to trust him in the midst of the storm, and say, God, I don't know why this storm is happening, but I know you're with me in the midst of it. And it's not gonna last forever. And I'm gonna trust you right now. Baptism is this picture of really us coming before witnesses before God and saying, God, I, I wanna stop trying to control my life and I'm going to trust you. And that symbol of a person going down in the water and coming out, up out of the water is a symbol of death, burial and resurrection in the way of Jesus, that baptism unites us with Jesus. How? It means that all of Jesus, all of the benefits of Jesus's death and resurrection are now afforded to us in baptism. What are the benefits of his death? That sin is done away with. That sin no longer while we struggle, we struggle in this flesh and spirit battle on this earth. Sin does not have its full hold on us anymore. It's done away with. And then that resurrection, the raised up out of the water is, is that now I have life with God for eternity. That's what baptism is. Baptism is saying, I don't have it all figured out, but Jesus does. I want him to guide my life. I want him to be the one that leads me. Well, I didn't, I didn't bring any change of clothes. I got change of clothes, Stop by Walmart. I don't have a towel, I got a towel. I didn't plan on doing this. What about, we, somebody's gonna take a picture in a video. Maybe today is the day in which you say, I wanna fully trust God. I wanna be all in for him. And it's not, oh, I got to figure out my life first or I got this part of my life or this part of my life that's just not, it's just sort of chaotic. I mean, right, it's just, no. And then I'll, you know, then I'll do, no, no. Baptism is when we say, I don't have it figured out, but Jesus does. I'm going to stop trying to figure it out. So I want to pray and if that's you, I want to just, I'm going to ask the spirit to work in your heart over the next few minutes. Because maybe today is the day that you didn't plan on, but God did, and that's the way He works. Let's pray together, Father. We just um, we come before You just humbly to ask You to increase our faith in the midst of a storm, Lord, to focus on Your presence. And not the storm itself, to lift our eyes to focus on you, no matter what what is happening around us, Lord. But to focus on you. So Lord, in the next few moments, I pray that we would not be distracted. We we would not be swayed by the enemy's efforts. By the voice of the enemy to say, Oh, you gotta leave, you got stuff going on, you can't you can't do that, you can't do that today. You're not ready, you're not good enough. You got to clean up your life. Why would you come before the church and be baptized? You're, I mean, if they saw you, if they knew the kind of—that's the enemy's efforts. That's the enemy's voice. And God, we push it back. We ask that your Spirit would rush in. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. We hope that you have enjoyed this message and pray God's blessing upon you. Remember to follow us on social media at Legacy Church GA, or visit
0: lcga.info to learn more. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.
1: Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling.